This is the end. Beautiful prayer. This is the end. My only friend. The end. Instead of the lovely notes of Giuseppe Verdi, we have the perfect lyrics of Jim Morrison and the Doors for this special edition of the Serie A Sit-Down, a Calcio podcast delivered by World Football Index. We call this the Azzurri Aftermath. I'm Frank Crivello. Glad you're taking the time to listen in to our takes on what has happened to the Italian national team and where they go from here. Uh, I am joined by co-host Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. How do you do, Frank? Well, I woke up this morning. I slept through the night, incredibly. I woke up this morning, put my pants on the same way I always do. Two legs at a time. Like, yep, two legs. <laughs> yep, jumped right into them, just like always. Didn't try anything different. Um, you know, I mean, in a bigger perspective, still have a wife, still have you know a beautiful wife at that. Two beautiful kids, uh, a great job, um, and the privilege of getting a chance to talk Calcio even in the tough times. How about you? Yeah, pretty much the same way. Um, I surprisingly slept well. Um, then I woke up and realized it wasn't a dream. And uh, yeah, we're just going to have to go on because you know, we got life. We got life to live. So um, Calcio is just part of our life. And, you know, it's only a fraction of what, what we do daily. So, uh, Let's let's talk about it and uh, events a little bit and uh, try to uh, bring some uh, therapy to some people. We'll try to bring some therapy. We'll try to make sense of everything. Now, obviously, there have been a lot of live podcasts that went on throughout the day. A lot of opinions out there. A lot of tweets out there. Enough to make your head spin, really. I mean, we're going to try to, you know, break down all of the major talking points. Some of it might be regurgitated, uh, you know, compared to what you probably saw on social media you know, or other opinion pieces out there. Some of it might be fresh. You never know. But what we will try to do is turn the page and say, where does Italy go from here? Who's the manager? How does the team shape out, ideally considering the talent pool and all that other stuff? So we will try to work our way, you know, into a looking forward, uh, you know, type of approach instead of just try to have this be an entire uh, uh, pissing contest about, uh, you know, the state of the uh, Azzurri. So... Um, I mean, I don't need to tell you what happened. Uh, if you're if you're listening, you saw the game. Sweden nil, Italy nil. Uh, Sweden advanced to the World Cup one nil on aggregate. Uh, they advance on a deflected goal in the first leg, uh, and really, not a whole lot in the, in in the way of highlights offered by Italy. I, you know, Richard, I probably can count on one hand the chances, the Immobile chance in the first half that. Nutmeg the goalkeeper. Unfortunately, it hit the goalkeeper's tail side and slowed down the shot. Yeah. Um, and then the volleys from Florenzi and El Sharawi in the second half were about all Italy could muster as far as anything remotely dangerous. Um, but uh, let's start by just getting into the actual reaction when the Spanish referee blew the whistle for the last time and it became real. Uh, give the uh, listeners your reaction. I kind of prepared myself for what was happening just because I seen how shit the team was during qualification <coughs> and the first leg. Um, so I kind of was already ready for this, but I mean, 
as the minutes is drew by and you saw the five minutes go for stoppage time, you're thinking, okay, come on, somebody, somebody do something. They had a couple, you know, faint opportunities, but you know, when that whistle blew, I was more in shock than anything. I mean, I was angry up to that point, but once it happened, you're just sitting there like it happened. It actually freaking happened. I, I didn't know what to think. I just sat there and watched the Swedish players, you know, celebrate. And I, I just watched it, you know, on, um, I was watching it online and the, you know, the, the sound for the commentators goes away. And all you see is, is the video of the players reaction, both, you know, Italians and the Swedes. I'm just sitting there watching in shock. Like this actually happened. This freaking actually happened. I, I had no words. And I don't know about you, but that's, that's how I felt. I was in shock. I, uh, I was numb. Um, that's a good word. That's first, a good word. This is the first time in my life uh, where uh, there's a World Cup without Italy in it. I don't know that, you know. Um, I take it you're under and, 60 years old then. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, I definitely beat that threshold. Um, I wasn't alive for the last time it happened. I wasn't around. So. <laughs> Neither was um, I. But numb was my yeah. reaction. Yeah. You know, I, I – you know, and, and, and everything that, everything that occurred over the course of those 90 minutes led to that feeling. You know, I tweeted hours before the kickoff, and I'm paraphrasing what I tweeted. I'm not reading it verbatim right now, but I should be excited and I should be enthusiastic and optimistic about this game, but I'm angry. And I'm going to watch this as if I'm, I'm going to watch this like an angry man because of, this manager's inability to will this team, his inability to make appropriate selections. Let me ask you uh, this. Let me ask you he's, this. He's, he's screwed it up before, and I have no reason to believe anything else other than he's going to screw it up again, despite the fact yeah. that I was being the eternal optimist in our, in our, in our, re, in our regular City Hour recording with Mark Neal saying that they were going to win 2-0 and reverse the tie. I still, you know, that was the eternal optimist in me. The reality, the, the, I said, you know, it's, this isn't going to be good. I've just, it's not going to be good. Let me ask you this. Now, during the game, I started out, you know, optimistic like you. Um, but as the second half drew on and I, I became apparent that a certain Napoli player was not coming on the field, and that's Insigne, Lorenzo Insigne, I started getting angrier and angrier as the, as the second half progressed. And then finally around the, you know, when the third substitution came in, I was already pissed off. And then finally I started calming down and reality started, you know, started setting because I didn't think there was a chance then. Um, and then I eventually became numb. But did you, did you feel the same anger building inside you in the second half, knowing that Insigne was not coming on? How on earth, in the biggest game of Giampiero Ventura's tenure, which will be his last, um, does he not see that Lorenzo Insigne is the next number 10 for Italy going forward and that he needed to have a massive role in this game? And that to not even get a single minute in leg two on the pitch when a goal is needed, uh, and then to only play and to come on as a substitute in the first leg and be asked to play in the at center midfield um, is just an absolute embarrassment. It's an absolute disgrace. Uh, He's arguably is, the best player in Serie A minus Thierry Immobile this season. Yes, yes, you know, made our squadra finora. Um, you know, a big, big part, six goals and five assists in all comps for Napoli. Um, you know, so if he's not going to score one, he's certainly going to create one. Um, and 
I don't know about anger. I just more sitting in disbelief that, and you could be a manager and you can put your ego ahead of a country of the of of, of the team and the players whose respect you're supposed to command. Disgusting on all levels, and and I hope the players the hope the, the players were obviously upset after the game. You, you saw everything. You saw Gigi Buffon crying after the game. You saw the clip, uh, the video clip that was floating around of De Rossi yelling at uh, Ventura's yes. assistant about why am I warming up? Get Insigne in there. We need a win, not a draw. Yes. Okay. Um, you saw that little bit of turmoil going on, and you just were. I'm I, I'm numb. This is supposed to be one of the best footballing nations in the world, and their national team just uh, completely mismanaged. Completely, just completely mismanaged, and and it you know and and, and we're going to get into the talking point about Ventura, and we're going to get into talking about another problem. The FIGC, I think they're a, I think they have a big chunk of responsibility in this, and I'll explain why later. But how you not have the best player in your pool in that game, and you can't figure out how he works, and you can't swallow your pride a little bit to play a system that best utilizes his talents. How the hell did you even become a national team manager in the first place? Yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's mind blowing, really, and and I really I learned some respect. I or De Rossi gained more gained some big points with me when I saw. Oh, he's my he's my he's my dude now. Oh I'm, yeah, I was I was I was down on him because the way he's playing. <laughs> but when I saw that, he pointed to the senior and said, "Why the you know why the heck is he not coming on and instead of me? You know, we should play for a win or a draw." I was like, "Okay, De Rossi is he's he's he's, he's godly to me." That was that was a great reaction. I only wish he did it to Ventura. Um, yeah, and I know he came out afterwards and he, he was he was being you know uh, senatorial like you know being you know playing you know oh I'm sorry that was a bad reaction. I know Insignia has been taking the high road too. Uh, he hasn't been saying anything about this, um, but God, I was like, what? Did uh, Rossi Insigne have nothing to apologize for? Nothing no, at no, all. No, they don't. They don't. And and there's rumors going around that. The reason that he didn't play Insigne is because Insigne kind of showed him up after the the first leg, saying, "Well, hey, I was playing the midfield out of my position." No, that's stupid. You're a freaking manager of a national team trying to go to the World Cup. You're it, the country comes before before you. I'm sorry, yeah. that's that's petty. Yeah, I was jo- I was half joking, half serious, and I said he should be uh, filed criminal charges against him for the shit he did. That's ridiculous. Yeah. That's stupid. We had been we had been saying this on the podcast. I had been saying it in my blog. Stubborn old man, set in his ways, not going to budge, and it's going to it's going to end up hurting Italy uh, in the short term because there's no World Cup next summer. You know, just, hopefully there's going to be some responsible people here in the next few months yeah. that are going to step in and get this sorted for the long term. So, and there's people uh, saying that the the Italian team is not good at all. That's not true. I believe there's a lot of talent on this team. They're, they're more talented, arguably. It's the most talented team they've had since the 2006 team. Um, they're much. They are more talented with the 2016 team. That tells you how good a coach Antonio Conte is. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. They're better than they're better than 2016. They're almost as good as 2006, except defensively, that team was astonishing. Anyway. Um, yeah. I mean, was, he got it Italy. To the, it was the coaching, the tacticals that were wrong here. He got Italy to the quarterfinals of Euro 2016 with Eder playing regularly, with uh, Emanuele Giacarini playing regularly, and there was one other stiff that he had out there. Uh, yeah, that he had Matteo Decilio was playing regularly in that team. <laughs> And he got him to the quarterfinals of Euro 2016, which you could argue is a tougher competition than the World Cup. 
When you oh, think of the is. nations it that get to is. go to the World Cup. It certainly is. And and this goof comes in and is in love with playing two strikers that characteristically do the same damn thing. We're gonna let, let's let's save the Ventura rant for later because let's just talk. Let's get back to let's get back on course here because it's, 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 yeah, it's easy to get there. You know, as as you know, gonna give a little bit of credit to Sweden here though because oh, yeah. and here's the oh, thing. Yeah. But here's the thing that hurts as much as Ventura's ineptitude, maybe even more so. Sweden beat Italy at a game and with a strategy that has made Italian teams so successful for decades. They did the Italian job on it. Yeah, they did the Italian job for 180 minutes, you know, and kept all of those uh, attacking players out of their goal. And that was a coaching masterpiece there on their, on their side. Anderson was, was outstanding. He pushed the right buttons. He got it right and made the right adjustments. Better but team one. I mean, Easy to do, easy to do when the play is so damn predictable. Yep. You know? When characteristically you're playing two strikers, and Mark Neal nailed this on uh, when we did our when we did our regular recording on Sunday. The problem with the two strikers is that they're the same guy. They want to make the same run, and they come from systems with their clubs where they only play one striker. So they're used to handling all of that workload, making all of those types of runs in the box. So you've got Belotti and Immobile running in the same place, or they're not sure, and Gabbiadini, uh, you know, running a little too close to Immobile. So then when crosses came in, they're easy to just get picked out. And that's the other thing. The whole game plan was get it to Kandreva and get it to Darmian, let them pump it in, and, and, and hopefully the get somebody on They were the two worst players on the team, I thought. Uh, 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 Darmian was good in the first leg. The second leg no, game, second leg. I'm in second leg. I'm in second leg. Yeah, Darmian and Kandreva sucked. Second leg, he struggled. And yeah, Kandreva wasn't very good either. Gattadinia, though, was decent in the second half, in the second game, in the first half at least. In the first half. In the second half, he disappeared. Well, some of it he was substituted, but, um, you know, but uh, it was, uh, you know, it was mind-blowing. But, you know, Sweden beat Italy at the things that Italy have done so well for so long. Yeah, kudos to Sweden. Kudos. Yeah. You know, and that's that's the other thing that kind of, you know, there's an an irony to that, (laughs) unfortunately. You know, we went from having, you know, strong Italian managers that went in and knew what they were doing and this was the system they were going to play and we're going to keep you out and we're going to get one. And then to a manager who we don't know what the hell he he was doing. I don't think the players even knew what they were doing. And they lost to a team that said, "Okay, we're going to keep you out. That's our first priority. And we're going to find a way to get all, you know, all the goals we need, which was just one, uh, you know, to go through. So. Um, you know, there's some irony to that. So, um, just, uh, ugly, embarrassing, uh, display, uh, yeah. all the way around. Um, and, uh, and let's get into the, you know, let's get into, let's, let's come back now and let's talk, talk about Ventura. Okay. I'm going to make him the first talking point here. Um, you know, because obviously he's the hot topic and the blame is being placed squarely on him in my life. You know, um, I cannot think of a more poorly managed project, uh, club or country. What about you? Um, I don't know about club, but definitely country. It's up there. Um, I know there was a coaching job in, uh, for the U.S. team, at least, when they went to Copa America and they were the last team, completely last place. That was terrible. But this is even worse, I think, because this team was actually good that you know, the Italians had. And they were mismanaged. Uh, weren't put in, there was no tactics whatsoever, at least not nothing that 
there's no tactics. That's what it was. And ineptitude all around from top to bottom of the whole FIGC all the way down to the players. Um, it's shocking. So I didn't, this shocking, something like this shocking wise hasn't happened in a while. Maybe Netherlands has something similar, but um, yeah, I just, I, it's crazy. It's, it's sickening. It was schoolboy tactics. You know, it was long balls and pumping and crosses and, you know, trying to outrun the opponent, beat people to spots on crosses. Uh, I, I, real football, real football was maybe being played about 10% of the time, not just in this playoff against Sweden over these two legs, but in the three games since that loss at Spain. Okay, the Israel win, the Macedonia draw, and the Albania win. Um, you know, where it's, 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 there's, there's a purpose to what they're doing. There's passing. It's, it's, you know, it's being played. There's combinations and chances of being created. All that. I maybe saw that 10% of the time throughout those five games, if we're lucky. And at the, at the senior international level, that's just, that's just atrocious, especially for a team of Italy's pedigree. Yeah. So he's clearly going to be gone. I, I don't know what he's waiting for. I don't know. I think he's waiting for FIGC to make the move so he can get a buyout. I mean, well, the worst part were... was all these rumors came out after the game that he, he resigned. Everyone's like, okay, about, about freaking time. And then you hear later that, no, he didn't resign because it's – I mean, I get why he didn't resign because he'll lose a lot of money. He, they'll pay him to, to fire him, which it makes sense yeah. for him. But screw him. Look, look what he just did. He literally just tanked the team. Uh, one of the one of the greatest soccer nations tanked them, and he's like, okay, now you pay me. Forget that. It should have been if, a he has, if he has any source of pride and wants to at least win a shred of admiration, he resigns and he doesn't ask for a buyout. You know, I mean, that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. You know? It's it's not going to happen, but he owes that he owes that, you know, to the millions of Italian national team fans. In my opinion, you know, you at least owe that. All right, you're going to walk away with millions of dollars after you screwed the national team. It's just that's that's just even more and more upsetting. But I mean, <clears throat> the tactical ineptitude going to Spain with and going in with a lineup with just two midfielders. Okay, and then. You know, he just could never get away from a system with two strikers. And you see modern football right now. And, I mean, who's playing two strikers right now? In Serie A, the only team that I see playing two strikers and pulling it off is Sampdoria. But it's because they're playing with two different style of strikers. Okay? Yes. They're play and with a trequartista behind them. All right? They're playing with a target guy. And then they're playing with a guy that runs off and you know, and does some of the things to unbalance the defense. You know, Zapata's the target guy. is doing all of the, and for his old age, doing all of the running. Bless his heart. Um, yeah. You know, but that's not, you know, that's not what we got with this. We have guys characteristically who are too similar. Bolotti and Immobile are the same guy. Gabbiadini's the same guy. Zaza, if they would have put him in, would have been the same guy. Okay? And it doesn't work. You know, you need that guy that's going to run off and we screamed for Insigne for the entire 180 minutes to play high on the left okay if you want to do a 3-5-2 fine do it with Immobile and Insigne and have Insigne work on the left Darmian doesn't have to try to come forward and have to try to bomb crosses that we know he doesn't have a prayer of hitting you know let Kondreva do his work going forward on the right and it almost will look like a 4-3-3 it'll line up like a 3-5-2 but it'll almost look like a 4-3-3 done 
you know? And I reckon that <laughs> we would have gotten at least a goal out of it on Monday. And why was Gubby Dean taking free kicks and corners? You know, he does that a little bit for Southampton, doesn't he? Yeah, but uh, no, he should be. He's one, of the, he's one of the tallest players on the Italian team. He should be in the freaking box trying to go for the headers. I, that, that I agree with. I mean, what is he doing taking corners, you yeah, know? Yeah, what uh, does he even do? Just put Kondreva on all corners, you know? And, um, yeah, I didn't, uh, I didn't particularly get that either. Uh, but, you know, I, I gave it a pass because I've seen Gaviadini do it for his club, you know? So, yeah. you know, but then when it, was, when it was repeating without any success, it just uh, it didn't make sense anymore. It said, put, just put Kondreva on everything, and that's what they did. Or, you know, Florenzi, who, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. lost in all of this. Florenzi had a very good game. Yes, he did. Um, so, uh, and I thought, again, I thought, you know. Jorginho had a good game. Jorginho was great. <laughs> I wish he had what? played the first leg. I wish he, I, hell, I wish he would have played throughout the qualification. Well, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, the only reason, and I'm willing to say this, the only reason, okay, that he got called up was because it forced Ventura's hand. He had to call him up because Tite at Brazil was sniffing around and said, hey, if they're not calling you up, we'd love to have you come home. Mm-hmm. Okay? That story did get floated out there. We, you know, and, and that forced Ventura's hand and said, well, I guess I got to call you up. Or somebody at the FIGC said, you got to call this guy up. We can't afford to lose him. So, um, and, and his hand was forced. And when Verratti was suspended, he had to play him. If Verratti wasn't suspended, Verratti would have played Monday and not... Yep. And not not uh, Jorginho. So, um, any other takes on Ventura? He's a miserable human being. That's all I got to say. Well, <laughs> he's a miserable coach. I'm sure yeah, he's a great, yeah, yeah. good grandfather, sure parent, is, yeah. and, and, and all of that other stuff. Miserable and, manager. I'll rephrase. He's a miserable <laughs> manager. <laughs> it's hard. I know. I want to call him I'm a garbage sure he's human a wonderful being guy. too. But I'm you sure can't. You can only go so. You can only go so far. So That's true. You know, but. You know, it it was the wrong appointment, but I, I went from having some enthusiasm for it because of some of the attacking teams, and I immediately thought of the work yeah. that he did at Torino a few years ago, and what he had with good. yeah, and what he had with Cherchi and Immobile, and he went with a system. Once he rid himself of the Graziano Pele problem, um, you know, and all of the drama that happened with that in the first match day or two, he went to this four two four. He went with Pelotti and Immobile together up front with Insigne, and at the time, let's let's admit it. At the time, this all excited us. Yeah, said, that's hey, what we wanted. That's what we this wanted. Is an atta- this is an attacking Italy. We're going to see an attacking Italy. This should be fun, you know? And they used it against, well, the first team they got to use it against was Liechtenstein. And, of course, they come away beating them 4-0 yeah. and, and could have beaten them by more. So, of course, you can say, well, then we're going to stick with it. Wait a minute. Liechtenstein is your proving ground here. But, <laughs> you know, we didn't think about that at the time. We were just so happy, but two strikers. But then after a while, they were struggling to score goals. And it's like... Yeah, maybe you want to try something a little different here. The two strikers together are kind of the same guy. It doesn't look like it's working. The Spain game should have been the hello hello moment where you realize, okay, this is not going to work. No, but he didn't. He went right back to 4-2-4 against Israel. Yep. You know, and it was painful to watch. They barely won that game. It was an immobile goal. And, uh, you know, he was stubborn and set in his ways. And then they came to the realization when they drew Sweden for the playoffs, he, that's when he slightly abandoned his system, you know, what he believed in and went back to the BBC and went back to what was tried and trusted because that, you know, that worked in 2016. 
but tried to put his own twist on it with, you know, two strikers that do exactly the same thing and trying to do it with a crossing game that was just way too predictable. So um, it was not. And, 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 and the other difference between his 3-5-2 system or, or whatever that was and what Conte did with a three-man back line is those players ran through walls for Conte. Yep. Okay. They were done with Ventura. And if they were going to qualify, and we said this on our Sunday recording, if they were going to qualify, they were going to qualify in spite of Ventura and not because he did anything genius. So, and, you know, last thing, Federico Benedeschi, that's your answer on your yeah. third substitution. Yeah. I'm a promising player. I love his talent. I love his future. But no, 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 no. Um, that was just, that was the ultimate my ego's more important than this national team. Yeah. There's no way I'm putting Insigne on this pitch. Bernadeschi goes in. So, and he didn't do anything when he was in. El Shirawi contributed. He was a factor. Yeah, Belotti yeah. did about the same as what Gabbiadini did at best. Um, but he just got it all wrong. Miserably managed Italy. And uh, if he doesn't resign, he's going to get sacked. And that's all going to get, you know, that's all going to get sorted out. But I've never seen a more pitifully managed um, uh, you know, pitifully managed national team or club team, you know, at any level. Let's answer some questions, Richard. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> um, that, you know, in relation to uh, uh, Giampiero Ventura, we went to Twitter and said, we're going to, um, uh, you know, we're, we're going to get into this and we're going to ask some questions here. Um, and uh, the first one I want to get to, and uh, that is going to come to, uh, Michael Lisi, and this is somewhat in at MF Lisi 39, good friend of the podcast. Um, and this is somewhat related to Ventura, but it's also it's, what has happened with Marco Verratti is he no longer in the picture? He'll be 30 by the time 2022 is here. To me, he's wasting his time at Paris Saint Germain, he needs to get himself to a bigger club. Let's just start with the management of Verratti because this is one of those players that was just so poorly managed, uh, and so poorly misused, so poorly used throughout this qualifying campaign. Um, I, I, I think he's still in the picture, though, don't you think? But uh, comment oh, a little should, on comment, com, comment a little on Ventura's management of Verratti. Much like every other player, he seemed to put him in a position that wasn't something that he was used to, um, where he excelled at PSG and and uh, with Italy before, and you know under Conte, he would play more of a defensive style, and he tried to make him more of an attacking midfielder, and it just didn't jive well and maybe maybe Verratti also wasn't in top top form but um he's Ventura didn't know where to put people he just seemed to put people where he thought I don't know what he actually thought he just put people in different places seeing how they would react and even when he saw that it wasn't working he just said you know I'm just gonna leave it there they'll figure it out what no yeah and you're using a talented player like Verratti to waste by not putting him in a position where he would help the team out but you just put him in there just to it's just a body that's doing nothing, basically is what it is. Um Verratti just go and pick up stupid fouls. You know, he wasn't he wasn't getting that defensive work and collecting the ball from defense and taking up to the attack. Um he just was poorly used, as much like must like other players were poorly used or not used. So it's I don't know. Ah. Yeah. Um I think that at Paris Saint Paris Saint Germain, when he plays for Paris Saint Germain in the midfield, he has a lot more range. Uh, you know, when the team is in possession. Um, here, and in particular, the glaring one was the, the first leg against Sweden, where 
in that system, he played more to the left, and he didn't really, you know, move around to demand the ball or take the game by the scruff of the neck. It was just kind of find a spot on the left, you know, between yeah. the lines, between the midfield and the defending lines, where he's supposed to get the ball, and he's got choices to play Gadarmian coming around him, or he early crosses it into the forwards, or he tries to get Kandreva involved somehow like that. And he didn't, I mean, people say, well, Verratti was terrible. I mean, look at the tactics and look at how Ventura set him up to play. Yeah. You know, he wasn't in a position where he could do what he really did. You know, Verratti, I will say this, if he did play in the second leg and if he wasn't suspended and played where Jorginho played, I think he would have been as effective as Jorginho. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll, 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 I'll go out on a limb and say that. Um, but he's in the picture. He's, he's, he's a talented midfield player. We need midfield players that are capable of keeping possession and directing the attacks between him and Jorginho. Those are the two that the Italian national team have. He should still be uh, in his prime by then. I mean, Pirlo, yeah. didn't, Pirlo didn't peak until he was in mid, almost mid thirties. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that, I think that he's fine and I don't know if he's really wasting his time at PSG. That, yeah, that has, a, that has, that has more to do with finances than, than, than ambition of playing for a bigger club. I mean, it's, you know, you, you weigh it up. Do you want to go win Champions Leagues or do you want to make a lot of money? Well, at PSG, you're going to make a lot of money. You might win a Champions League this year too. Yeah. So uh, the way that team is rolling. But anyway, uh, he also asked, where is our big number nine? And I think we kind of answered that question. So in the past, Italy were best with nines like, you know, well, he said Baggio. Baggio was a 10, but Vieri, Luca Toni, and, you know, Balotelli, who had a good Euros back in 2012. Um, Pele Conti. Yeah, Pelle under Conti. Surely, surely Immobile isn't leading. I mean, you go all the way back to Paolo Rossi in the 82 winning team. Yeah. Um, surely Immobile isn't leading the line next time around in Schilacci in 1990, but he was more of a poacher. Um, he wasn't a really like a big, you know, big target. He was, he was Inzaghi before Inzaghi was Inzaghi, uh, you, know, you know, to say the least. But, you know, to answer that question, well – I don't know who our big number nine is. I think it should still be Immobile. It could be Belotti, but the problem is is that throughout this campaign, like we were talking about, we played with two forwards that did the exact same thing, yeah. so they were very predictable. There was no space for either of them to operate, and there weren't going to be a lot of chances for them as a result. So I don't necessarily it, think you need a big nine, too, the way, this, the, way well, the, the teams are playing these days. Um, you just need a mobile, a mobile attacker. Uh, well, and Immobile and Belotti have that. They just don't, can't play at the same time. You need to have no. Dark Artista if you do. No, they tried it way too many times and it just didn't work. So, um, you know, so I, uh, I, I, uh, I think that that, uh, that answers that. And then we also had Antonio Palladino uh, at a Palladino 2150. Where's the scoring threat? No one on that team strikes any fear until any, until Italy develops a threat. They're weak. Again, I think we just kind of answer that Antonio. I think it's the tactics uh, over the course of these last uh, 10 games. Uh, it did not set up Italy to be very dynamic going forward. It made Italy very predictable, um, and it put Italy in a situation where they were going to score goals by just being in the right place at the right time on crosses or if the goalkeeper bumbled the ball. There wasn't a whole lot of flair or creativity. Um, it's a sad state of affairs that maybe the most creative goal they scored was the one by Chiellini against Macedonia uh, in the draw where it was it was chipped over and then Immobile was able to cross it into Chiellini's, you know, Cross it along the ground in Chiellini's path. Um, you know, saw some headed goals, some penalties were ta- some penalties were scored by De Rossi, but there wasn't a whole lot of dynamism. Um, you know, and what I would like to see modern football, there wasn't what Napoli do, for example, or even Lazio. So, um, you know, at least that's my answer to that. Uh, what do you think, Richard? Yeah, um, 
Exactly. I mean, you said you, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. I mean, um, it's all about it comes down to tactics. I mean, I think the players that they have there are more than capable of scoring. Um, they've shown it in their in their club teams. It's just that yeah. tactically, tactically, they weren't set up to to win. Um, area balls to players who are not normally uh, used to you know receiving those kind of balls. I mean, if you play the if you play the way like Lazio or Napoli play, you know, passing the ball around, spreading it out, and cutting through defenses, then you're going to score. That's what these team the team set up for. Look at all the players on that are there, all the attacking players, but yeah. they're not. They weren't set up by their by their managers that way, so they're not going to produce. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, El, Shar- I mean, El Shar- had a little bit of flair when he came in, but it was little. It was too little, too late at that point. Yeah, I mean, and you nail it. I mean. Shirley Mobley all of a sudden doesn't suck at being a striker just because he goes to his national team. He's going to go back to Lazio and he's going to keep bagging goals. He just set you know? a Serie A record for 14 goals in 11 games. He's on yeah. fire, so it's not it's not him. Yeah, Andrea Belotti scored 26 goals last season. You know, uh, he's had some injury issues this season and he's gotten off to a little bit of a slow start, but he's going to be right back in the mix. Uh, you know, Lorenzo Insigne, like I said, six goals, five assists, but doesn't get a minute on the. It just blows my mind, uh, just as it does blows everybody's mind. Um, El Sharari, the most informed Italian right now, and he only got a couple of minutes at the end of the game. There is a very strong case for that with El Sharawi. Yeah, absolutely what he's done for Roma. So, you know, the threats are there. It's the style and it's the system. And it's 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 too predictable and it's it's too outdated. And uh and uh and, and, and these all led to Italy's downfall, uh, you know, in this in this World Cup. So, you know, we talked about Ventura and the next topic I want to talk about here, Richard, is the FIGC, the governing body, the federation, mm-hmm. because Carlo Tavecchio and everybody associated gotta go. have a big, they got to go and they have a big percentage of responsibility in this. Absolutely. Okay. A big percentage. First of all, they hired Ventura. Okay. And they never parted ways with them for what reason? They're too cheap to do it. They didn't want to buy him out, you know? And, and try to figure it out with another manager. I mean, that's deep down, and then nobody's nobody's actually openly coming out and saying that. Nobody's really reporting that, but that's what I believe. Okay, they wanted to keep the faith with somebody that they had committed to a contract until 2020. They paid him a third of what they paid Antonio Conte to manage the Italian national team. So they got him to manage the national team for cheap, um, you know, and. You know, it's it's one thing to be one of the you know most historic you know footballing nations in the world, um, but not you know you're gonna you're gonna cut your budget by bringing in a low yeah. budget manager, mm. yeah. incredible, and well, then not seeing the opportun not seizing the opportunity to make the move to sack him when it was clear that the players lost their faith in him. You can just see in the body language of the players. When they, the only time that you saw them excited and enthusiastic was when they were singing the anthem before the game. Yeah. Anywhere else it wasn't happening. And I'll tell you what, the move should have been made after the game against Israel, which was after the loss at Spain. Okay? They could not pick up the pieces and put on a convincing performance against Israel. Uh, Ventura should have been sacked. It would have given another manager time to come in. Assess everybody over two more qualifiers. I mean, forget about Albania's threat. Italy was going to get the playoff spot, okay? And have the team and have some kind of an idea of what his system needed to be going into a playoff, okay? But nobody saw this at the FIGC. They just decided to leave well enough alone. So um, your thoughts on the FIGC and their role in this? My first my first blame was going to go to Ventura, but FIGC is right there with it. Um, like you said, they should have pulled the plug numerous times before this game and they didn't 
Um, and then it was when it was clear that this manager is being inept with his tactics, that should have been the red light right there. So the red light, you know, the red light warning saying, okay, he's got to go. I don't care. He's got to go at the country over any, any money or anything like that. Uh, they're all corrupt over there. I mean, for all we know, it's the Syria, all the Syria, um, owners, you know, voted to vacate <coughs> instead of Albertini or whoever was, who else was, uh, running against him. Um, it, it's a whole systematic problem that they need to change at FIGC. Um, and they need to get some new blood in there and do things for the, for the passion for the country, not for, for the greed and the money. Um, yeah. it's, it's disgusting what they're doing over there at FIGC. They're, they've been, they've been historically bad uh, of recent years. And, and it's just, this is the ultimate, you know, ultimate problem right here. Evident right there. Boom. Didn't qualify for the world cup. Six years. happened. Croatia were struggling and were on their way out of the world cup. They were in third in their group going into the last match day at Ukraine. Croatia wised up and said, the manager we got, it ain't working. The players don't believe in it. We got to pull them. And they went with uh, uh, Zielko Dalic, I think is his name. And they go they to Ukraine and they win. Yep. They draw Greece in the, in, the, in the World Cup playoff. They beat them. They're going to the World Cup. They were bold enough to see what was going on and knew that there, wasn't gonna, there was potentially not going to be a World Cup. They had the courage to make the move and pull the trigger. Yep. You know, the, the national team, did, the, the, the Azuri didn't. The FIGC didn't. And that's, that's you know, that's disappointing. You know, when you take a look and see how Croatia did it and they're off to the World Cup, Italy didn't do it. And they're going to be on the rails watching with every, you know, with everybody else who didn't make it. You know, that's just, you know, that's, that, that's, that's just further adding fuel to it. So, um, the, so you have that, you have that where he's like, well, why didn't you do what Croatia did? You know, they saw the problems. They made the switch. They're going, you know. Um, so to follow up with that, uh, Ken, our friend over there at uh, Ken C, hashtag Napoli stats, um, he had a question for us. You know, what? Wh- where do we think reform is most needed from FIGC? Um, you know, is it to coach? Is it to Vecchio? I mean, we kind of answered these questions for Ken here, Richard. Yeah. You know, youth, I think the youth sector is fine. Their U21 team is very, very good, talent laden. Uh, all, their, all their young teams are actually filled with talent. So I don't think the youth sector is the problem. I think it's the FIGC that needs to be threatened. Tavecchio needs to go. Um, they need definitely, you know, a, a manager who knows what he's doing. Hello, Carlo Ancelotti. Um, <laughs> if you go re- replace Tavecchio, replace them with Albertini. I know they people mentioned Paolo Maldini's name or whoever, a couple other guys' names. Um, anybody's gonna be better than Tavecchio right now. You need to replace all the big wigs at FIGC and start fresh because uh, they're they're corrupt bastards basically, and they don't have the best interest. In, they don't have the country's best interest in hand. I here's here's the thing, and I'm, I I very much agree with you with the youth sector. The youth is fine. You look at the under twenties; they went to the World Cup. And finish third, okay. And there's a lot of promising talent in that team. And Alberigo Ivani did a great job yep. uh, with that side. Uh, the under 21s went to the Euros and reached the semifinals. Got blitzed by Spain in the semifinals, but they can be forgiven. That is a phenomenal yeah. Spain under 21 team. Um, you know, so the youth and the player pool is coming. Further, argue, further reason why I'm arguing, you know, that. This is the most talented. This is the this is the nation with the most talented player pool, not in the World Cup. With all due respect to the Netherlands, with all due respect to Chile, with all due respect to Cote d'Ivoire and and the USA. All right. Um, so this came down to problems with the people in charge at the top. 
ultimately. Yep. So reform is needed at the very top at the FIGC. There needs to be a new manager. These are obvious things being stated. Okay. Um, I heard somebody today saying, if you think it's just a matter of mismanagement and that this is a very talented team and that this is a world-class team, then you don't know what you're talking about. Uh-uh. I know what I'm talking about. Okay. And I know talent when I see it. And I see these guys performing in Serie A. All right. And we had a manager that clearly to me didn't watch a lick of club football. All right. To realize what was going on. He picked Jorginho because he was pressured into picking him. Okay. He probably started him because he was pressured into starting him. He picked El Shadawi because he was pressured into picking him because otherwise he would have gone with his same guys. Adair kept making it the team. You tell me what Adair has done in the last two years that warrants him being in this national team. But a player like Simone Verdi, who they called up from Macedonia and Albania, doesn't get into this group for the playoff. Okay. And don't give me the, don't give me the MLS excuse about Sebastian Jovinko anymore. Okay. Fine. It's not as good as league as Syria, but Sebastian Jovinko could step in and play for a number of Serie A teams right now. Okay. All right. Richard and I watch this league week in and week out. There are some really bad teams, and they would love to figure out how to get Sebastian Giovinco on loan before he has to go back to Toronto next season. Benevento would make him captain. Hell yes. <laughs> Hell yes. <laughs> you know? So don't give me that shit that I don't know what I'm talking about. All right? Or that Richard doesn't know what he's talking about. All right? This is a collection of world-class... This, you know... The, the the BBC suddenly doesn't suddenly doesn't suddenly suck all of a sudden because they didn't make the World Cup and I know that Barzali and Chiellini are going to be done. There's just Benucci left. All right, you know as far as the midfielders, we have guys. We've got Verratti, we've got Jorginho, we've got engine room guys like Marco Parolo and Roberto Gagliardini. Although Parolo is not going to probably play much longer. Okay, we've got Ricardo Orsolini, you know who's going to be on his way in. I know he plays maybe more of a forward role. Um, you know, we've got uh, the kid that's at Crotone that's on loan from Juventus, Mandragra. Yeah. Okay. Pellegri, he's going to be – look out for him. He's 6'5". He's the next pa- number nine you're going to need. Nicolo Barella. The players are there. Chiesa. They need Chie- Federico Chiesa. Exactly. <clears throat> the players are there. Uh, Pelleg- uh, uh, Pellegrini over at Roma. Okay. Yeah. The players are there. They need a- There needs to be a manager that understands the characteristics of these players – and puts in a system that maximizes their talent. Not the other way around, which is what Ventura did over the last year and a half. Simple as that. Um, I said it in my blog uh, that came out today. If you try to force feed a system into your players, you're asking for failure. You're, that's pretty much it because you're going to lose. You're going to lose them. You're going to lose their belief in what they can do in that system. And you're going to just lose their belief in you as a result. So, um, so we've tackled Ventura, we've tackled the FIGC, we've gone into the, kind of the youth and the infrastructure here of the, you know, and, and on top of that, Richard, let me add this. They have a mecca of a coaching school over there at Coverciano in, uh, in Florence, yeah. okay? It's the training ground of the national team, but that is, the, that has produced some of the best coaches. Go read, you know, go read my blog again, the, the next great coaches that are ready to come through. That has produced some of the best coaches in world football in the last 30 years. Okay. Um, the, everything is there for this team to be at a high level and be top five in the world in the FIFA world rankings going forward for the next at least 10 to 15 years. So 
Um, any more thoughts on the youth, on the infrastructure? Are we, you know, leaving out some other players or, um, you know, things that are good, good things that are being done? I mean, the, the, the good news of all these people retiring is Benucci's staying there and he's going to be able to be, he'll be the catalyst for everybody with all the young players. They need someone, a veteran presence to, to, to write the ship. Now he'll probably be 34 then towards the end of his career, but, um, he, it's good to have someone like him because you're not going to have Buffon anymore. You're not going to have Chiellini, Barzali, De Rossi. Um, so you need someone like him to stabilize all the youngsters um, and and get them going where they need to. And because you're going to have you know two goalkeepers with probably Donnarumma, Plizari, um, maybe Perrin, probably still going to be there. Um, so you still have a couple guys there. Insigne is going to be there. Jorginho, uh, SES, Stephen Elsharawi. So it's good things coming. Just it's, we need to make some changes now, just so we can uh, make sure this never happens again. Let's or get to Mark. For a long time. Marcus Adams had a question for us. Why have the Italy under twenty ones been so successful in contrast to the international side? Well, we talked a lot about the mismanagement, but <clears throat> any other thing? What, what else? What else has made the Italy under twenty ones so successful? They've been making some semifinals and some finals here in competitions over the last few years. Um, you know what's made them so successful in contrast to the internet. You know, by contrast, the senior side is failing so much. I mean, I think the management and the tactics is the big thing because I mean, the players are put in the right positions. They're they're able to use their talents. Um, and I mean, there are so many good players in the U twenty one. Not to say there's not an international on the national team because there is. Um, it's just that those guys are put in positions that they can succeed. Um, they pick the right types of players for their team. They're they're not just picking random players or the best players. They're playing. They're just picking the best players for positions they need. They got a system going that that works, um, but they just it seems to change that when they get to the national team. And that's because they picked the incorrect manager and and the tactics he uses is not tactics. It's just like you said, schoolboy mentality, schoolyard schoolyard soccer. So um, I don't know. I don't know. I can't really put, point a finger on because you know. You'd think the same system going from the youth sector all the way through the national teams would be the same, but it's not. And the younger guys are flourishing right now, which is great because they're getting the opportunities to play. It um, takes it takes years, to your point. It takes years for what's being done with youth teams to get massaged into the senior level because, you know, the, the, the U21s have a system of play that might contrast to the, what the senior side does, Okay and a set of tactics, and let's just set aside the coaching. We've beaten that to death, all right? So these players come in to the senior side with different ideas than the senior players do, and if the senior players have a tried and trusted way of doing things and don't want to abandon that, there's going to be that struggle until those senior players move on yep. and you start having more consistency. This was the progression with Spain and how they got so dominant you know, through the years and continue to be dominant, okay? I think they're on the way back. This was what Germany did with Das Reboot, okay? Yep. And, you know, in 2004 when they crashed out of the Euros, you know, get those, you know, youth teams and get them an identity and have that identity eventually work its way to the senior team. You know, from 2004 being eliminated to the Euros to 10 years later winning the World Cup, okay? And have been in six semifinals in major competitions since that elimination. So at minimum, at semifinals. They've been in some finals too. So... <clears throat> Some of that is process. It's easier to be successful because you can rein in young players and get them to get them to play a system and get them to believe in a system. And you U twenty ones, U twenties, they're all doing that. It's that next step now to the senior level. Okay. And 
in this case, it hasn't gotten there because the senior team was led by a manager who had totally, you know, old school ideas compared to what we're seeing with the younger teams. So, <clears throat> um, the talent being developed is fine. Like I said, now, you know, the process of the manager that can maximize the, the, the talents of the players, you know, as best as he possibly can. Um, you know, that's where, that's where I think that is. Let's touch on Serie A, Richard. Okay. Um, because this is an interesting one for me and I want to get to a question, um, that we saw who asked it. Oh, at James D three, seven, nine, two, three, eight, seven, four, zero. Um, his, uh, actual Twitter name is fuck off Ventura. Uh, <laughs> it's appropriate. It's it is not words I like to use on a podcast, but what the hell? Um, this is a special one. <laughs> so is Ventura entirely to blame? Well, 80%, the rest of it goes to the FIGC, uh, or do, or maybe 75, 25, something in there. What do you, what, what, it, it's definitely a split between those, those yeah. factions. 80 good. You know, 80, 20. Okay. Or do things like the decline of Serie A in recent years and the amount of foreigners in the league is, as kind of Otto said, contribute. I want your answer first on this and then I'll, I'll rant. All right, things like the decline of Syria in recent years. I think Syria has been an upswing in the last couple of years. Um, mm-hmm. you know, after Calciopoli, yes, there was a decline. But now it's the highest scoring league in, in Europe for the two years now in a row. Um, it's been on the increase. Uh, Italian teams are doing well in Europe. Um, so I don't think that it's a decline in Syria. Do I think about the amount of foreigners in the league? No, it's, it's silly to me. Um, it has affected leagues like uh, the English Premier League. But it hasn't affected Syria. Syria, yeah. The way you, the way a league is good is players want to come to your league because the, the best players want to come to your league, and that's what Syria is starting to have. They have all <coughs> these youngsters that they're developing, um, both foreign and domestic. Who cares? They're talented players. They're players, and that is bringing foreigners in, blaming foreigners. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Uh, I'm not saying that he said it. Yeah, whoever, who, people who originated this thought, um, that is not the problem. The problem is the FIGC and who they picked at management. Um, I guarantee if they had uh, uh, if they had Con- if Conti was managing this team would probably still be it will be in the World Cup right now, and you, we wouldn't be talking about foreigners or decline of Syria. It's uh, it's the amount of foreigners when people bring that up it just pisses me off because it's the stupidest thing I have ever heard in my life and it's 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 a poor excuse. It's a, it's a nationalist excuse. Um, a lot of these coaches now they're saying the Syria B coach from Ternano made some some remarks too. I, it's just stupid. It's not that. It's just the players, you know, it's the the manager and FIGC who's screwing this up. It's not the players. There's, there's a lot of talent in this league, um, and I don't see that. I don't see the players as being the problem. I just think that that is just such a weak and pitiful excuse to yeah. blame it on too many foreigners in Serie A. Let me let you guys understand something about Serie A. It's the foreigners who are okay. saying it too. Yeah. Let me let you guys understand something about Serie A. All right. And Lega Calcio. Those are businesses. Okay. And their responsibilities, first and foremost, are to generate revenue and generate profit. Okay. They do so by putting a team on the pitch that fans pay money to go in and cheer for. Okay. That's their first and foremost responsibility, okay? It is not their first and foremost responsibility to be the training ground for future Italian national teams, all right, or for future of any teams. Had the same conversation recently when the U.S. missed out on the World Cup. Well, 
you know, how do we make MLS? No, you let MLS operate as the business that it wants to operate at. Same thing with the Serie A, same thing with Lega Calcio, okay? So if they rate foreigners <coughs> over an Italian player, all right, that's their business, okay? They're putting in the costs. That's not for the FIGC to decide. That's not for opinion makers to decide. That's not for anybody else to decide except for the management of those clubs, okay? They, they are running a business, all right? And they have to generate revenue, all right? If they happen to develop a national team in Italy that goes on and wins major competitions, okay, the two, they, the, the two, don't, the two aren't going to de outright depend on each other, okay? Serie A's ability to develop an Italian national team is an indirect occurrence, yeah. okay? It's not, their, it's not their priority. Much like Major League Soccer, it's not their priority to develop the U.S. national team, okay? <clears throat> you know, MLS exists to be a league. L MLS exists to operate and generate revenue, okay? Much like Serie A, Serie B, you know, and all of Liga Calcio. So I'm not going to put this on the clubs and, and, and the foreigners. That's just weak, all right? Obviously, there is not a problem for the youth teams in England, all right? <laughs> they just won the World Cup. The U20s yeah. won the World Cup. U20s, and I think the U17s just won a World Cup, too. Okay, uh, it's it's not troubling them, uh, you know, and it's not troubling their senior team who happened to win their group and go to the World Cup because, you, you know, those the, the top teams in the Premier League. I mean, you can probably count on both your hands how many how many of the players on that team are actually uh, English internationals. So or on the you start for the England national team. So Cannavaro so, is wrong in this instance. Yeah, Cannavaro is wrong in this instance. So is everybody else who's believing in that. It's just it's just weak. Um, you know, so the league to me has an, it, you know, will indirectly develop the Italian national team, but that's not their responsibility. Their responsibility is to be a business is to generate revenue and to generate profit. Okay. So stop with this. Well, the league has the, the, the league owes it to the Italian national team. No, they don't. <laughs> AC Milan. Yeah. AC Milan is trying to be a business. They're trying to make money. They have loans to pay off. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, <clears throat> you know, Juventus is operating like a business. So, um, uh, so yeah. So let's let's just let's just cut loose on that. Okay. Finally, the team and MF Lisi had one more question. Where's the leadership with Bonucci? I think he meant Barzali. He said Buffon. Yeah. Rossi all likely gone. Um, uh, he meant Barzali, Buffon, Rossi already gone. Who leads? Who barks orders? Who organizes things on the pitch? Well, that's going to be discovered here over the next couple of weeks. Couple of, I mean, the obvious answer is going to be Bonucci, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. He'll, he'll still be on the team unless somehow I, – I see him have one more World Cup in him. One more attempt, I should say, right? Um, yep. It's definitely going to be him. And then from after that, it's probably going to be guys like uh, Verratti and the guys who have been on the team currently. Uh, Insigne, sure. players like that. Sure. Sure. Um, and and I think that that that'll that'll all sort itself out, and the, there'll be a new culture in that dressing room, and hopefully it'll be a leadership that will that will that will be able to appreciate. So, um, you know, so you know, I'm not concerned about actual player leadership. Uh, you know, in this instance, I'm concerned about a manager that will come in and lead this uh, lead this national team and maximize the talents of the players that are there. Because this, on their day, when they if they can put it together and do it right, it should be one of the top five to ten teams in the world. No excuse. With the resources, with the youth teams that are coming up, with the coaching uh, facilities and the uh, coaching resources that are available to Italian coaches, there's no excuse for that. 
So, um, so that's that's really as much as I want to say about the team. I mean, there's not a whole lot you can you can point to with the team. It's just it's it's a badly managed Italy. It's what it came down to. You got nothing? No, you said it. You said you said everything I wanted to say. <laughs> okay, you can well, at least well, try. Well, we can at least try to repeat it. We're trying to find a, a spot where we can laugh <laughs> in all of this, and it's 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 so hard. So let's address a couple of things, and let's try to get on the upswing, and let's turn the page, okay? Next manager. I mean, there's clearly enough candidates that have established themselves. Um, there's, there's no shortage of Italian national team managers. They're not going to go outside the peninsula. They never will. Um, there's enough good coaches with what Corvicciano turns out. Uh, there's enough good there's enough good coaches that somebody can come in here and lead this national team. Carlo Ancelotti is the obvious one that everybody's going to say. Yes. All right. So let's put him aside. Who would you see being a great fit for the Azuri? Um, Giampaolo from Sampdoria is a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, recently, you know, seeing what Di Francesco has been doing, he's another one. Uh, Simone Inzaghi is another name that's going out there. Um, I don't know if Spalletti would be a good one. I mean, it's possible. I guess he does. He is. He has been doing good things, and he's doing good things right now with Inter. Um, I know the name Mancini's name has been floating around. It could that could work? Um, but you know, I would stick with Giampaolo and, uh, and uh, Di Francesco. Does it concern you that Giampaolo plays a four-three-one-two, and we mm-hmm. haven't really seen him deviate from that, which as a result could, you know, hurt what Insigne is able to offer? Um, I can see him. I mean, he may he may keep that for, uh, information. I'm sure he though he would put the players in the right position. As you see, what he's doing with the Sampdoria team, he's got players in the right position. So I'm sure he'd find a way to to make sure that uh, he get Insigne in there, either as a trequartista or or he'd ha- he'd have to alter the formation if he couldn't do that because um, you need to have players like Insigne on the pitch. Um, so it doesn't bother me as much. I mean, I, I guess I could. I guess I probably said that with uh, Ventura and then his stubborn way kind of uh, and ultimately ruined the team. So, Well, here's I – mean, I, I banged the drum multiple times for Giampaolo to someday be an Italian national team manager, but that is the one thing I'm slightly concerned about, but I would hope that he would be a little more flexible and realize what he has. I mean, if he wanted to play his 4-3-1-2 and have Insigne be that runoff forward like he's got with Quagliarella, I'd, I'd be for that. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he would have to figure out who his trequartista is going to be, though. Um, you know, if he wanted to continue to do that, because to me, I don't think Verratti or Jorginho fit that profile. They're better in a deep no, line no. spot. So, um, you know, so he's an interesting one. You know, Mancini will at least play with one striker and play with, you know, wide guys. So would Spalletti. So would Di Francesco. Uh, Inzaghi seems to like his three back, um, you know, five in the back, you know, type of setup. But again, he plays one striker, just immobile, you know, because... Yep. You know, Luis Alberto just kind of floats around. So these are all great choices. Um, Massimo Carrera could be yeah. a possibility. I mean, everything he touches, he seems to win. I mean, it, it, caretaker at Juventus, you know, doing great things at Spartak Moscow. And I understand it's, you know, Russian Premier League might not be what international football is, but there's a track record of success. Uh, there's calls that maybe Antonio Conte will quit Chelsea and come back to the Italian national team. You know, that you, you, you never rule that out. Um, but, uh, but there are some, there are certainly some opportunities. Carlo Ancelotti has said he wants to manage the Italian national team. I would have to, I would have to think that the, you know, once we got to Vecchio out of there, because we're in agreement that he should be gone too, that the new FIGC president, his first phone call is to Carlo Ancelotti. So, 
Um, you know, it, 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 it absolutely has to be, especially when he has said he would like to coach the national team before he retires. So, um, those are our, our ideas on, on next manager. Certainly go to, um, uh, at Serie A sit down. We did ask, all right, so how should the future, uh, Azuri line up? And, uh, we had Ken see hashtag Napoli stats at Napoli stats, uh, gave us a four, three, three, uh, which is very, very close to, uh, what I thought uh, it could be, uh, where he's got Donnarumma in goal. His back four is uh, Andrea Conti. Once he gets fit, Daniele Rugani, Leonardo Bonucci, Leonardo Spinazzola, uh, a midfield three of Roberto Gagliardini, Jorginho, and Marco Verratti, uh, and then a front three of Federico Bernardeschi and Lorenzo Insigne as the wide guys with Andrea Bellotti as the striker. What do you think of that? That's not a bad one. I mean, I I probably wouldn't have Bernadeschi. I'd maybe have Chiesa, uh, El Sharawi out there. Um, yeah. There's a well, on current form, put... on current form, definitely El Sharawi. Yeah, yeah. So um, I mean, there's also a bunch of young and upcomers that are they're, they're going to be their names are going to be in this. So like Mandragora might be one that you might have to put in there. Or we don't we don't know what the next four years hold, but that's that's a pretty decent lineup. And and goal, you would think maybe Donnarumma's a, sh- a lockup, but. He could have a setback, but there's there's other goalkeepers that, that could could step up too. So, and defensively, you could have Caldara back there. Um, yep. I'm trying to think who else. There's Alessandro Bastoni. Alessandro Bastoni is one to watch coming through the ranks. Uh, yeah, yeah. You've got Ricardo Orsolini. You've got some of these young guys that came through. Uh, you know, for the younger teams. So, uh, 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 Lorenzo uh, Pellegrini of Roma. Uh, yeah. for that oh, midfield. Yeah. So yeah. you've got you've got some players, man. You've got some resources and. And and the next Italy manager's got to be salivating to get his hands on this crop of talent. Yep. So, so, so that's that's that. So I'm I I yeah I, I think it's a four. I think you play a four three three. I think the Rugani Bonucci partnership is dead on at the moment, uh, considering the senior senior experience that they've gotten. You maybe Caldara for Rugani that kind of exchange. Maybe Romagnoli uh, steps up. If Romagnoli could somehow find some form here, uh, I'd have much more belief in him. Um, you know, but I'm not there yet. Uh, you know, but yeah, Jorginho and Verratti together in midfield, it would be interesting. I, I, you would certainly be trying to monopolize possession with yeah. that kind of setup, and Gagliardini's your ball winner. Uh, you know, and I'll, I'll say El Sharawi and I'll say Insigne, but I'll, I'll for now, because of his form, go with Immobile. Uh, and it's just a shame that he hasn't been able to shine for the Italian national team because he's in, he's been in a set of tactics where it just doesn't work for him. So, um, so that's where I would go with it. So, Go to at Serie A sit down on Twitter or Instagram. Would love to hear how you would line up Italy in the future, in the next few years, who you think the next manager should be. Go to all of that stuff. So we're going to put a bow on this edition of the Serie A sit down, the special, the Azuri aftermath. Uh, Richard, uh, social media, where they where, where can they find you? You can find me at R underscore Carmen, K-H-A-R-M-A-N. And uh, anything on the blog this week or uh, just uh, just letting it simmer? Yeah, no, uh, I'm going to let it simmer, but I'm working on the uh, Joshua Perez piece uh, for Fiorentina American uh, they got there. So, Looking forward to that. That'll be an excellent read. Uh, you can go to my, my page is at FTC underscore 21 um, and uh, just put out a piece on November 13th, 2017, Calcio's Day of Infamy. Uh, hit a few of these talking points in this podcast. You'll find that in that blog with a few other uh, topics, maybe the parallel. Maybe you can read about the parallel universe that I'm trying to drift in and, and, and pretend that none of this really happened. So, 
Um, I, but I'm, I'm sure what my sentiments were in that blog were the sentiments of all of you. So at uh, Syria, sit down on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, some programming notes. Uh, the Sempre SSC Napoli podcast uh, will have a preview of the Napoli-Milan game. Our own Richard Carmen will take part in that. Uh, and then on, uh, we will record again on Sunday, and I believe we will have uh, some of that uh, SSC Sempre Napoli podcast group uh, involved, if not all of them, to uh, recap that game and the rest of the weekend that was in Serie A. So do look forward to that. I uh, want to thank you all for listening, and as always, be, tell you, be sure you tell your paisans about us. Ciao. This is the end. Beautiful prayer. This is the end. My only friend, the end.